I was uh, stalking my wife's Facebook this week. Because <laughs> I think Facebook's a sin. But she's a sinner, so. <laughs> and I need a place to stay. And <laughs> it is what it is. But uh, uh, hearing uh, Eric sing that song, kind of, I saw this little thing. It said, it's, it's not about the rabbit, it's about the lamb. I thought it was kind of a cool statement. No, it is about the lamb. And we are glad that you're here this uh, wonderful, wonderful Sunday morning. And uh, I was thinking back, uh, you know, historians tell us when the church began, uh, they, they were really excited about the resurrection. In fact, uh, there was a greeting, how they would meet each other. And I don't like today, we greet each other. We say this, uh, let me, I'll start with Shannon. How are you doing? You say, fine. <laughs> Y'all know, don't you? You must be Christians, and or Christianettes, but uh, not quite there. But back in the day, historians tell us that uh, they were so focused on this area of resurrection that they would say, you know, Christ is risen, and the answer was, he's risen indeed. I mean, let me, let's try it. Christ is risen. Yes, because that was the focal point of their ministry. That was what occupied their thinking. That's what occupied their time. They realized that's what, the, that's what the difference was, was indeed the resurrection. And so we ought to be spending more time on it. I'm glad we do it. You realize over a billion people around the world will be celebrating Easter at this particular time. And you think about it, what really, you know, what, uh, what difference does it make? And uh, you think about that, you may be here for the first time at Sunshine, or it's been a long time since you've been here, but may I say this to you, thanks for coming. We're glad you came today. Thank you for giving us your time. We realize that the most precious gift you could possibly give somebody is your time. As I've gotten more mature, <laughs> time is flying by, and, uh, and so I, I, I'm thankful that you're here, and I'm thankful that you've taken time to be here. I realize you could be a lot of other places, but I'm thankful that you've come, and I, I trust the service will be something that will be impacting in your life. And what we desire when people come to Sunshine, uh, we just don't simply want to put on a good show. Uh, we don't want to simply uh, try to help you be more religious. We really would like you to be in contact with God. We'd like for you to really, not to be some mystical thing, but there's not a person that's come this morning that don't have some serious needs, personal needs, family needs, and you walked in this morning and you're struggling with some situations and all, and so it's our desire when you walk out of here that, you know, you'll have met with God. Because here's what I've found, guys. When you read the Word of God and you read about people that have met with Jesus, every time they meet with Jesus, they change. Something happens in their life. And we desire that for you. Now, we ask the question, what does difference does Easter make? Let me give you one scripture in John chapter 11. Jesus is kind of talking to this individual, and he said this to her, verse 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. The, the resurrection of Jesus Christ has much meaning. And you think about it here at 2017 in southwest Florida, what does it mean to you, or what does it mean to me, the resurrection of Jesus Christ? We talked a little bit about this last week. One of the things we said is that Jesus is who he claims to be. This is what it means. Jesus is who he claims to be. You say, wait a minute now. Jesus was a great teacher. Well, you know he didn't talk about that. 
In fact, he didn't discuss the matter of him being a great teacher. What Jesus said was that I am God. And so you have to understand there's a big difference in being a good teacher and someone saying they're God. And so here's the deal, guys. Either he was God or the biggest liar the world's ever known. There's no middle ground here. I mean, it's important to understand that. He, he made these statements. One time he was in the temple and there was a big flea market going on. It wasn't supposed to be going on, but they were there selling all kinds of stuff. And Jesus went there and threw those guys out, and they were ticked off. They were bothered by that. They said, who do you think you are? He said, I'm God. He said, well, prove it. He said, I'll do it. You kill me in three days, I will rise again. And he did prove it. And so this is what it means, that he, he is who he claims to be. Number two, Jesus has the power he claims to have. I mean, what an exciting thing to realize. The reason why that's so exciting for me, because I find myself in this stage of my life, I work harder, longer, get less done, and wore out most of the time. Are you all with me on that? But, but not Jesus. I'm so thankful that he doesn't have a reserve account. I mean, he's got all the power. He needs to do whatever needs to happen. and Whatever difficulty you have in your life, he has the power to meet that need. What does it mean, this area? And what difference does it make that Jesus rose from the dead? Well, because Jesus, who he claims to be, he is, has the power he's claimed to have. And I like this last one. Jesus does what he promises to do. If you spin the truth, is it still truth? Now, you know, you've got to be careful about that because sometimes when we interject our personality or our thinking into it, you've got to be careful because we can take the truth into many, many areas or variations and all. But Jesus doesn't do that. What, hey, get this. Whatever he said is exactly what he meant. What a concept that is. I mean, he actually meant what he said. So we look at these things this morning. If you walked in here, and again, I'm glad that you're here, and, and I think it's important that the foundation that we lay for you this morning is that it's, it's meaningful. The resurrection is just not some church thing that we do. It's not some time that we get, you know, get all gussied up. Gussied up, that probably not. We get all fancied up. Ah, uh, we clean up. Anyway. So we get ourselves in good situation and all, and I, that's not what Easter is all about. It's about the resurrection. It's about something that's, that's life-changing, world-changing, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it does have tremendous meaning. But here's a question. What does it really matter to you? What does it matter that Jesus rose from the dead? Let me give you two or three thoughts this morning about what it matters in reference. Now, when I say two or three thoughts, that doesn't mean I'm going to speak real short. There's a difference between, have you noticed, there's a difference between a women's minute and a man's minute. Have you noticed that? There's a difference between shopping and hunting. Women hunt. Men shop. Am I right? We go in there, we get it, we go on down the road and all. Women go in there and they never come out. It's like the man who never returned. What are they doing? They're shopping. They're not shopping. They're hunting. They're always on that hunt. And so when I say to you this is going to be a two or three things, it's going to be two or three things with several things between all those two or three things. And so buckle up. So we're going to share some things with you this morning. As you walk out of here this morning, I want you to walk out of here with an understanding that something can happen in your life. Let me give it to you. Number one, why it's so important that Jesus rose from dead, my past can be forgiven. You know, I look around here this morning, 
You know, and I, I see my own life. There are some things I wish I didn't know. There's some places I've been I wish I hadn't gone. There's some regrets that I have. There is some, some, some guilt that I have to deal with. And that is, to me, is, is, uh, is some terrible stuff. And I'm sure as uh, you were here this morning, I was talking to the guys on Wednesday night as we were, as we were studying the book of Acts on Wednesday night. Uh, the book of Acts on Wednesday night, we're studying the book of Acts on Wednesday night. On Wednesday night, we do that verse by verse. We're in chapter 27. You, hey, you ought to come this coming Wednesday. It's going to be an interesting message on 27, chapter 27. Tremendous thing about storms and things, so I encourage you. But I told the guys on Wednesday night, you know, why we're so concerned, why we have an Awana ministry, uh, why are we go to, to these public schools, uh, the elementary, the, uh, the, the junior high, the high school, the reason why that we're going to all these schools is because we, we don't want them to have some of the memories that we've got. We don't want them to think about some of the stuff that we have to think about. And some of you are here this morning, and, and you're plagued with that thing. You're carrying that baggage, those regrets, and you know those, uh, those uh, things that have happened in your life, and you've gotten to a situation that you're stuck in the past, and it's messing up your present and destroying your future. What I want to tell you this morning is that no wonder... If this is what you think life is going to be like for you, no wonder you're so miserable. And so you wonder there's no happiness there because that's what you think the rest of your life is going to be like. But I'm going to tell you right now, my past can be forgiven. The Bible says here in Colossians, and you being dead in your sins and uncircumcised in your flesh, have you quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Now in the, in the Greek... All means, you guys are Greek scholars, aren't you? I mean, all trespasses, he says, blotting out the handwriting of an ordinance that was against us. I, when you look at this scripture, what we see here, we see God's pardon program. I'm so, glad, I'm so thankful this morning that I can share with you that God desires to pardon the problems and the sins and the mistakes and the problems, all these things that happen in the past that you're dealing with that's plaguing you, that's tearing you up. Because of the resurrection, God can't forgive my past. He wants for us to have a forgiveness. He desires that for us. And you know what's cool about this? Once God forgives, you can forget it. Say, say, but he's going to bring it back. Bring what back? If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do I have an amen? That's some good stuff now. Perk up, sit a little straight in the seat. We're going now. I mean, hey, we're talking about some stuff that's going to happen, that things that you've walked in here with this heavy load, that load can be lifted, not because of me, because of the lamb. Understand that. He desires, here, let me give you this one. There, in verse, eight, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. He says there is no condemnation. He's not trying to rub it in. He's wanting to rub it out. God desires that for you. Uh, he, he's come to give you a new beginning. He's come to give you a clear conscience. Now, all this sounds, this sounds it's like that pie in the sky. No, it's not. God sent his son to give that to you, to give that to me. Because of the resurrection, my past can be forgiven. 
That's exciting stuff, isn't it? Number two, because of the resurrection, my present problems can be managed. <laughs> Much of uh, life is unmanageable. Would you agree with that? Let me further illustrate that. How many parents are here? Do all you parents have children? Margaret, what do you say? <laughs> and you never had any problems with your kids, did you? Your kids are perfect. Your kids never do wrong. And they never lie. Daily. I mean, hey, guys. Just be a, say, boy, life is so much fun. Have kids. That'll change. You know there was a guy, uh, kind of illustrate this guy named Charles Shedd. He was a, he actually is a, he's an author and he's, uh, uh, he did a lot of lecturing on, on uh, parenting. <laughs> I was thinking about this morning, I was studying this. You know, I was 20, I don't know how old I was. The, the, best, the best information or counseling I ever gave a parent, I was like 20, 21 years old. Didn't have any kids. I mean, you want to tell someone how to raise kids, don't have any. I mean, you're not, I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're going to live in denial. I know. But this guy, he, uh, he used to be, a, he, he was around the country lecturing, and he, the, the title of his message, just before he had kids, was this, The Ten Commandments for Raising Perfect Kids. That was the title of his lecture. As he says in his book, his wife was named Martha. Him and Martha had the first child, and he still lectured, but he changed the title to this, Ten Hints for Parenting. Him and Martha got busy, and they got a second child, and then he went around the country, and here was the title, A Few Tentative Suggestions from a Fellow Struggler. He had the third child, he quit preaching. <laughs> Am I right? You know why that's funny? It's so true, isn't it? You know, I was, I can remember, I, I can, you know, I think God does this to you. You know, I wish there's something I could blank out. I remember, I remember the guy, his, he was having so much problem with his daughter. Here I am, a punk, 21 years old, and I told him what to do. <laughs> what an idiot, you know. I have, I, I've, I've tried to find him so I could apologize for being so stupid. And uh, because, I mean, it's one of those things, it's, it's, it's this thing that we struggle with. And I think it's important to understand. You know, what, you know what maturity is? Maturity is when you figure out, you, don't, you can't figure it out. Is that too deep? I mean, maturity is when you figure out, you can't figure it out. And when you realize that you can't manage everything. And you know, women are real control freaks. <laughs> I'm not going home. <laughs> I may never be going home again. I don't know. But anyway, but, uh, you know, you know, I know how you, you know what men, men, men wait for women to shut up so they can tell them what to do. Am I right, guys? They would just quit talking. We could straighten their lives out. I'm just telling you right now. I'm going to write a book about that. Anyway, 
But, uh, but, but the reality is there's things in our life, it's amazing how we just can't figure it out. We can't manage it. You know, uh, in counseling, one of the things I find people when they come and talk to me, they, they say things like that, my life is out of control. You may have walked in this morning and that's where you are. Your life is out of control. You can't seem to deal with the bad habits that you have. You're powerless to handle those, to get out of debt, uh, to manage your time schedule and all these kind of things. And you're, you're walking in. And I believe one of the things that Satan tries to do to us is to kind of back us into a corner and to say that you're, you're never going to be any different. You're never going to be able to change. It's just the way life is. That's a lie. That's a lie. The Bible tells me, Ephesians 1, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ, here, 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 guys, when he raised him from the dead. And what this scripture tells us, the same power that allowed Jesus to raise from the dead is the same power that it's going to take to take care of these difficulties and these problems in your life. Now, here's the fact. I don't know what the future's going to hold, and you don't either, but I do hold the future. I know who's got control of this. The Bible says in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And God says it doesn't matter how hopeless. You may have walked in this morning, and I know that, you know, uh, we put on a happy face, and, and we act like everything's okay, and, and we, you know, we certainly don't want to uh, appear that we don't have it all together, or we don't want to appear that we have problems, but the reality, inside, you're crushed inside, and you're, you're here this morning, but it's everything you can do to hang in. God says to you that the situation you're going through is not hopeless. No problem is too big for him to handle. And I'm not saying to you, this, oh, I see where you're going with this. You're talking about the power of positive thinking. I am. I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking, or I'm not trying to psych myself up. I think it's important to realize that we need to understand that he, not only can my past be forgiven, but my present can be managed. I think the key is that you've got to find out who's the manager. Uh, who is the one that, that, we're, that we're yielding this control to to help us to do the things that need to be done. I can do all things through who, class? Through Christ. Not because I'm so smart or I've got so much ability or I've got so much talent. No. No. Why does the resurrection matter? I'll tell you why it matters. My past can be forgiven. My present problems can be managed. I'll give you the last one. My future can be secure. My great-grandmother and great-grandfather are dead. My dad, my grandmother, my grandfather are dead. My mother and my dad are dead. Almost all my uncles and aunts are dead. Death runs in my family. You were wondering where I was going with that, didn't you? He has left reason and gone to fantasy land. No, here's the thing, guys. How is it something that's inevitable we don't prepare for? 
It doesn't matter how many vitamins you take. You could even be juicing. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Saw that cop back there. I better, he's getting ready to come get me. You know, you know Dougie, he's bad tough to deal with and all. I'm talking about vegetables. Vegetables and, and fruit and things of this nature. So I want to be real clear. I forgot the crowd I was dealing with here. It's a tough crowd here and all. But you could be juicy. And uh, you, could even, you could even own your very own gym membership. Don't have to go. But I happily, I've had one, never went, but I loved my gym membership. I felt real good. I was a card-carrying gym membership person. I felt lighter. But I can do all that. I can do all that kind of stuff. And I'm not, hey, I'm not against you taking vitamins. And not pump my wife full of vitamins. I expect her to outlive me and, and to take care of me. And so I'm just, I mean, it looks like a pharmacy going inside. And I say yes to drugs. And uh, so, but, but I can do all that kind of stuff. And I can, I can, you know, I can take the vitamins. I can do the exercise. I can eat properly. All that kind of stuff. But I am going to die. Five weeks ago, I was with a doctor. I've been to this doctor for over 20 years. I came off one of my medications because I just didn't want to take it. And I know. <laughs> Stupid runs into our family also. And, but I took it in. I did that because I figured I, I took something else. I went much better. And of course, you know what? Nothing worse than blood tests. <laughs> blood tests will mess you guys up. So I took the blood test. I'm sitting my doctors. And I've known them forever and all type of thing. We kid around a lot. And he reads my blood test. He said, What's this thing here? I said, well, I decided not to take a medicine the last three months. I think I'll be okay. He said, I think I told you guys this already. He looked at me and said, Bill, you're going to die. When? <laughs> I mean, you're the doctor. Give me, give me, can you give me kind of a date? He said, there's, there's two ways you can figure it out. You can die, you can die uh, you know, maybe a heart attack, or you can die maybe, you know, whatever you're going to do. But, but what he didn't realize, that the Bible already told me that. The Bible said, it's appointed. Under man wants to die, you see? And so I think it's very important to realize that because that is the case, it's important for us to make preparation for eternity. You see, we act like and live like that's not going to happen. You know what I found out about death? It's no respecter of, of age. And so that being the case, why in the world would a thing that's so inevitable that we see it, have seen it through generations in our life, why would we not make preparation? The fact is it's going to happen. My future can be secure. I think one of the problems has been the, the, is what, the reality of what heaven is. If you want a good definition or explanation of heaven, let Hollywood make a movie. They'll tell it right. Not even in the ballpark. But a lot of people, that's where they get their training and their theology. I mean, after all, it's a movie. It's got to be right. It's like everything on TV is truthful. Okay, I'm getting ready to give you the statement. Are you ready? If you've been in church, you hear this every so often. Let me give it to you. Word down. If you don't get anything else that I have said, Get this thing. You ever heard preachers say that? It's like they know up to this point you haven't been paying attention. And they're trying to bring you back. Say, would you kind of plug in just for a few more minutes if you would? Well, I, that's my statement to you. I, I would be grateful if 
You may have not gotten anything thus far, but if you would stay with me, I want to share a couple of things with you, particularly when it comes to eternity and the future. Let me give it to you. First of all, what heaven is like. Heaven is total love, peace, joy, perfection. No sin, no mistakes, no evil, no bad, no error. It's perfect in every way. Number one. You got that one? Okay. Number two. In order for you to go there, you have to be perfect. Did you like that one? Where does that leave you? Leaves you in trouble. You're sitting back there. I mean, I saw you. Uh, some got on the edge of your seat, okay? Then uh, when I said you had to be perfect, but leaves me out because I'm not perfect. Well, the reality is none of us are perfect. God knows that. That's why he gave us plan B. And plan B, if you're, and you need to listen to this because someday you may stand before God and you may want some of these answers. Plan B, we've got to do what the Bible says. I mean, there's only two ways. We either go to the performance plan, which means always do right. Never make a mistake. Never do wrong. That's the performance plan, or plan B, which is establish a relationship with Jesus Christ. John 17, 3 says, and this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. In other words, what he's saying is that Jesus already paid the price, and a Christian is not somebody who is accidentally religious. A lot of people are trying to get to heaven. All kinds of ways. Salvation by sincerity. As long as I'm sincere, that'll be okay. What if you're sincerely wrong? Salvation by service. Well, I do all these good works. Or salvation by subtraction. I don't smoke, don't chew, don't go with the girls that do. Wow. Salvation by ritual. I've been baptized. I've uh, joined a church. Salvation by heritage. My mother or my grandmother were Christian. Salvation by comparison. In other words, I'm not as bad as somebody else. Can I help you? God doesn't grade on a curve. And that's all that stuff is. First Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us into, again, to a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Hope means you don't have anything to fear. Our confidence is in the Word of God. And so this morning, the question we have to ask ourselves, would you like to be forgiven? Have a clear conscience, a life that's manageable, a future that's secure. That is the difference that Easter makes. The sad thing about this, it's not enough for you to understand that. Reaching people here doesn't change this right here. The Bible's real clear that we have to change this area. This morning, I, I challenge you. You need to come before God and say, God, I want plan B. I know that I, I cannot do it on myself. You may have come for all different reasons this morning, and whatever reason brought you here, we're glad you've come. We're glad that you are here and and I believe you're not here by accident. I, I really believe in design. I believe God's in control. I, I think one of the things God wants to say to you is you, you matter to him, and he wants to have a relationship with you. And this morning, you may have all kinds of backgrounds. You may be a Catholic or a Jewish or a Protestant or a Muslim or a Mormon or even a Baptist. 
I don't really care what your background is. I'm not concerned about that at all. I'm concerned about you having a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not concerned about what pedigree or how whatever you think your past is. What I'm concerned, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about your future. And your future is based on a relationship with Jesus Christ. And this morning, as we think about Easter and the price that was paid and the miracle that was that took place and, and all that surrounded that, and, and sometimes we forget what is the reason. What is the reason for all that? Let me show you. I'm going to show them the reason. Have you trusted Christ as your personal Savior? This is the reason. Right here. I can't get any clearer than that, guys. If she was the only one, he'd have still died. He'd have still rose again. He'd have still provided her salvation. It was just her. doesn't have to be that way. It can be you too. This morning, I encourage you. You've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior. If you would die right now, you know for sure heaven would be your home. I mean, a shadow of a doubt. I'm not talking about, you know, I'm doing the best I can. Uh, I'm trying to quit some bad stuff in my life. I'm trying to get my life straightened out. I want to tell you right now, you're, you're fighting a losing battle. It's never going to happen. Jesus didn't die for saints. He died for sinners. So this morning, if you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior...